millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. Trevor Anderson here, chart manager at Billboard, joined as always by... Gary Trust, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. So, um, not bringing you the most uplifting story surrounding this week's uh, new number one on the Hot 100. Usually a pretty celebratory occasion around here, but uh, this one obviously... Uh, going to go down a little bit different in the history books, given that uh, the artist at number one this week, XXXTentacion, hits number one uh, for the first time in his career with the song Sad. Unfortunately, uh, the reason the song gets number one is because of all the attention and tributes surrounding his death. Uh, he was shot and killed last Monday, so eight days ago as of this taping uh, down in Florida. So we'll get into uh, some of the, the details around um, the streaming rallying that a lot of his fans uh, did. I don't know. So we'll get into a lot of the streaming numbers that really swelled after his death last week. Also, some of the other posthumous number ones uh, from some artists who hit number one shortly after they died as well. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot uplifting here. As, as you well. said, uh, maybe the, the only thing you can point to is uh, fans celebrating his music, making his legacy go on. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, kind of maybe a little surprising for some people that, you know, for an artist who had been out for only less than two years, had this much support, had this much groundswell to to get these numbers to get to number one. So uh, we'll dive into that in a little bit. And we'll also talk about Juice World. We've been keeping an eye on him for a while now. The song Lucid Dreams hitting the top five this week. And there's some interesting history behind that, uh, particularly if you're a fan of uh, 80s new wave pop music. There'll be a nice tie-in for you there. Good thing I'm here. Great. I know Gary's going to be there to guide us through all of that. And of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the Carters with that surprise album coming out last Saturday. Hits the Billboard charts this week, so we'll talk about their debut on the Hot 100. So that's all on the way. Plus, we're going to continue with part two of our chat with hit songwriter Justin Tranter. Last week, we mentioned we were going to talk about four recent big hits for him. We got to exactly one of them, so we have three left to go. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, we wound up talking a lot of political issues, got into really uh, so many things other than songwriting, so uh, great stuff. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll swing it back towards uh, songwriting this week. And... What are we flashing back to this week, Gary? Does this have something to do with the, There's a fishbowl sitting on the table here, and I have no idea why. 
Uh, there is for the, for the record uh, for our PETA friends out there. It's an empty fishbowl, no fish, no water. Uh, but we are going to flashback all the way through 2018 as we hit the midpoint of the year. Uh, just got a you know a set of a uh, set of questions, some discussion based topics. We're going to bring in a special guest as well to help us with that. So we're going to relive the first six months of 2018 with a fishbowl. With a fishbowl. All right, so that's all on the agenda today. So sit back, strap in. Here we go. It is this week's Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. We're going to begin, as always, with the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. Here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Oh, baby. Number 10. Number eight. I can't do this on my own. Hey, no. Hey. Someone watching this shit close. Yep, yeah, close. I've been me since Scarlet Road. Hey, bro. Hey. Listen to my heart go viral. Number Number five. out uh new number one as we mentioned xxx tentacion sad uh hitting number one with a huge 52 to 1 jump uh of course coming uh just a few days after his death in florida when he was shot and killed at just 20 years old uh, obviously uh a lot of reaction from from celebrities and just regular everyday people some good some bad but i think pretty impressive um in a real sense that given that he had died on a Monday that only gave him about half the tracking week to get the streaming numbers that he ended up getting 48.9 million streams for the week. So that's up 264% uh, from the week before. So a, a huge amount of support there. People, I guess either maybe checking out his music for the first time, if they had heard those reports, of course the fans really going to rally around that, but just with half the tracking week, 
to to sort of outdo every other song is is, is something. Yeah, that's an interesting point about uh, maybe people didn't know who he was. Maybe that actually worked in favor of the song because there's more of a curiosity factor where if it's an artist who's more established, people might think, oh, okay, I know that music. Maybe uh, in a weird way, it kind of helped. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, hard to to undo some of the things he did, but um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's hard to put a any kind of a happy spin on this, but um, yeah. Uh, kind of reminds me of uh, uh, obviously a different backstory, but uh, when Selena died in 1995, she went to number one on the Billboard 200. And I just remember at the time thinking what a, what a sad story that was. And same kind of thing where she uh, was, I think, pretty unknown to mainstream audiences, big Latin star at that point. But uh, pop audiences really didn't get to know Selena's music, sadly, until she was shot and killed. All right, and with Sad hitting number one, as some chart watchers and XXX fans have pointed out, uh, the first time in 10 years we've been faced with an artist hitting number one on the Hot 100 after passing. The last occurrence of that was back in 2008, just a little over a decade ago, uh, when Static Major was featured on Lil Wayne's Lollipop. That was a five-week hit uh, back in 2008, uh, but unfortunately Static had passed before the song hit number one. Uh, before Static Major, this has happened seven times in Hot 100 history, going all the way back to 1958. Uh, the first time was in 1967, Otis Redding, the song Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Uh, just a few years later, Janis Joplin as well, with me and Bobby McGee. Jim Croce, a couple years after that, 1973, with Time in a Bottle. Uh, jump ahead to 1980, John Lennon, with the song Just Like Starting Over. And then 1997, uh, twice actually that year, Notorious B.I.G. on both songs. The first, Hypnotize, his own single from Life After Death. And then uh, a few months later that same year, Mo Money, Mo Problems, which also featured Puff Daddy and Mace. And then Soldier Slim in 2004 uh, as featured on the song Slow Motion by Juvenile. So there are the eight artists, uh, including XXXTentacion, who have hit number one uh, after their passing. And as with XXX, a lot of that really, um, a lot of those artists getting that support and that that fan base really rallied. A lot of these acts hitting number one just a few weeks or or months after their death when public support and public emotions were were still really raw. And with some of these new projects coming out that people recorded just, you know, days and weeks before their death, fans really rallied around them and sent them straight to the top. All right, should we? Move on to something a little, I suppose we really can't get less happy than that. Should we move on to something a little, little bit happier, Trevor? Uh, yeah, I can't, can't get much sadder than that. All right. Uh, also on the top five for the Hot 100, Juice World uh, rises to the top five, uh, six to four. So his first uh, top five hit on the Hot 100. Uh, interesting from a writing credit. Uh, you mentioned this at the beginning. Uh, Trevor has a tie-in to uh, 80s, 90s uh, alternative pop. Uh, Sting is a co-writer on the song uh, because the song samples uh, his 1993 song, Shape of My Heart. Uh, this is Sting's first top five hit as a writer. It's on his 1993 album, Ten Summoners Tales. It had some really good singles. Uh, if I Ever Lose My Faith in You is the first single. Uh, maybe Fields of Gold, maybe Best Known. Uh, you know, I know If I Ever Lose My Faith. In particular, uh, I got to give a shout out to Lady Gaga, who I think did a great version of that song uh, a few years ago back at the Kennedy Center Honors yeah. when Sting was getting a tribute. Um, probably maybe about three or four years ago at this point, but I remember really... You know, just another side of Gaga that showed how versatile an artist she really is. Nothing About Me was the third single. And then Shape of My Heart was fourth single. Actually never hit a Billboard chart. So kind of weird that now, uh, if you take even a piece of it, the highest charting hit on the Hot 100 uh, from this album from Sting in 1993 is the fourth single from the original album that never even charted. 
So, one of those weird things that 25 years later, a song that was a single never did anything on any chart. A piece of it, now the basis of a top five hit. And what a great, you know, sort of connection that is. You may not necessarily think of, obviously, Sting and Juice World in the same vein, same era, same breath, same genre, anything. But uh, whether it was is Juice World, the guy himself, one of the producers, you know, kind of nice to see that that sort of behind the scenes connection that, you know, people are obviously aware of their musical history, have much more interest and in, don't get enough credit for sort of the wide influences they can bring to a song. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'll be missing you. We saw Sting uh, work pretty well as a as a rap song collaboration and uh, his uh, newest albums with Shaggy. So uh, we've been seeing now decades of Sting just kind of popping up in genres. Maybe you wouldn't expect. Moving on to the Carters who are back in action. Beyonce, Jay-Z now as one combined family unit at least for this album, uh, making a splash with their album Everything is Love, which was surprise released, as I'm sure everybody saw when those tweets and that news notification exploded on the 16th. Uh, album debuts this week at number two on the Billboard 200. There's five songs that make the Hot 100 from the album this week, uh, the most popular of which is Ape Shit, showing up at number 13 this week. Um, also really driven by the music video, if you have not seen it. Uh, really cool, very artistic. Of course, Beyonce just keeps breaking the barrier with a lot of her videos. This time we're setting it in Paris and mostly in the Louvre. The Mona Lisa makes an appearance and everything. So think of the, I mean, of course, the Carters have clearance to do anything, but to shoot a music video inside the world's most famous art museum. Let's go. All right, let's uh, get back to uh, our guest from last week. Again, started talking to Justin Trainer last week about songwriting and uh, just uh, got into a lot of different uh, topics that were, uh, were so interesting that uh, this interview just uh, went uh, long enough that we want to split it into two uh, parts and get more of his insights this week on uh, co-writing. So uh, we're going to get to some hits that he wrote uh, recently. Linkin Park's Heavy, he co-wrote. Uh, Julia Michaels' Issues. Maroon 5's Cold. So uh, we'll talk about all those. Again, uh, Justin recently won Songwriter of the Year honors at the 2018 BMI Pop Music Awards uh, for the second consecutive year. So really excited to have him uh, back on the podcast. We're just going to pick up where we left off about last week. Uh, here's more from Justin Tranter, our special guest on the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So much more than I can carry. I keep dragging around what's bringing me down. If I just let go, I'd be set free. Holding on. Why is everything so heavy? You say that I'm past. Only because I brought these songs up, I, just, I want to make sure we at least get to them, uh, Justin. Uh, sure. Lincoln Park's Heavy, which uh, now it's obviously takes on a whole different angle. What was it yeah. like writing Heavy? It was uh, such a different song for Lincoln Park for it to become a, a big pop hit that sounded very 2017. It was it was such a great story, and then it obviously turned into a, a really uh, sad final uh, hit. Uh, what was the process of, of writing Heavy? Just me and Julia going in and, and working with the guys and kind of like everything just talking about talking about what people are feeling and thinking and let let a conversation kind of lead the way um and that I mean that's you know that's kind of the gist of it it's I, I wish there was some big crazy you know story about uh, something really specific but it was just you know um you know Julia has a lot of anxiety that she's spoken up publicly so I'm not like spilling any tea here um so I think that you know Julia and Chester were relating in that sense about about their um, their their heavy minds, and then the song just kind of um, came together, uh, and it it's obviously uh, you know it's it's become it's become something uh, bigger, uh, w- which you know is a thing that uh, you know I, it's hard to talk about because obviously we lost somebody. It's a it's a it's song I'm very proud of, and I'm and I'm honored that I was a part of it. But it's it's obviously uh, it's 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 heavy. It's fucking heavy. <laughs> In terms of the song's melody, it's really not that surprising that you'd work with Lincoln Park. I mean, a song like "Breaking the Habit" is as heavy as some of those arrangements were. I always felt in some ways Lincoln Park kind of was a pop band. In terms of those songs, you could hear them as as pop hits. So for you to well, write they, with they them, definitely it, yeah, they definitely were a pop band because pop just means popular. And they were one of the biggest bands of all time. So <laughs> they were pop as fuck. <laughs> uh, we're talking about uh, Believer, talking about Heavy, uh, Maroon 5's uh, Cold. Any, uh, yeah. any Anything uh, stand out about writing that song? Um, Gary asked, and may- maybe the answer is like, nah, you know, just uh, just another hit for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, was a, that was a great day in the studio with John Ryan and Jay Cash. And, you know, just kind of, I really love you know, whether, you know, Justin Bieber, sorry, or Maroon 5 cold. I love creating space for, you know, straight men to be vulnerable and to be hurt and to be, um, you know, uh, emotional. And so that was really my goal with, with cold was to create this world where, um, you know, he was basically getting like slowly, but surely heartbroken. Um, and I think we've all been in those relationships where like, this isn't going good, but we aren't calling it quits. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And we're just kind of, you know, we're just kind of bringing each other down and kind of creating that, that world and just creating, creating space to allow that sort of um, vulnerability to, to exist um, with, with straight top dude. <laughs> uh, I assume that future wrote his own verse in the song. But did you have any interaction with 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 the verse, or you know, is it different writing when you know a rap is going to come in the middle, or anything like that? 
Um, I think, well, I, I, you know, I wasn't a part of that process at all, but I'm a huge future fan and I think his melodies are fucking crazy. Um, and obviously his, his lyrics are crazy. Um, but yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't really, uh, a part of, a part of that pro- part of, of that section of the song, sadly. So I can't really give you any, any good info. Mm. Then did you now to that point, that's kind of interesting. Did you, did you know that there was going to be a rap verse in that song at all? Or did you write it as a pop song and then? Maybe later somebody said, you know, maybe we could use a rap verse here. I think, to be honest, I can't remember exactly, but I think we did, on the demo I have, I don't think that there is like a, a there isn't like a 16 bar space for a rap. So I don't know if the, I, so I can't really remember, to, to be honest. I wish, I wish I could tell. I just, I write like 10 songs a week, so sometimes it's hard to keep track of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. <laughs> And uh, the other song that you won uh, a uh, BMI Pop Music Award for, uh, I don't know if this one is, is maybe close to your heart, because it was uh, Julia's uh, first hit as an artist, Julia Michaels' Issues. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I mean, that's just one of my proudest moments, just because, you know, her and I have such an, a beautiful history together and a beautiful present together and a beautiful future together that um, to see this song that basically pushed her to do this you know this this song that that came out uh, of of her that i was lucky enough to just help uh, elevate and focus and and grow um you know because that, that's her this is issues is 100 julia's story you know that this is her 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 and so to be a part of that and to, to help create something that made her go oh fuck i have to sing this myself um and then for the song to be so massive <laughs> i mean it's pretty pretty crazy I mean, it's the biggest song from the debut artist of last year so that um pretty magical moment when especially when i have such history with that person and care so much about her and you know always my favorite thing about what julia does is that she is not afraid to be brutally honest even when she's and so it, it almost appears like she's speaking ill of herself and her lyrics but actually i think by owning those ideas by owning the dark thoughts by owning the, the, the issues pun intended uh, it becomes very empowering. It becomes very positive. It becomes very hopeful in, in a sense because she's so willing to acknowledge fucking everything. I kind of put it lyrically with another song you uh, co-wrote, Bad at Love, and you kind of look at, at the lyrics of uh, I've got issues, uh, I'm bad at love. It, kind of picturing myself in that writing room where you're you're really getting people to, to open up and, and be really honest and, and admit all these things. And, and that's got to be what connects uh, with uh, with people when they hear these lyrics. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, Bad at Love, I am super, super proud of. Just that was the first day I ever met Halsey. With me, Halsey, and Ricky Reed, the producer, the three of us uh, just got in, went to his studio. And I'd known Ricky for a minute, but the first day I met Halsey, and I was just so blown away by her writing talent. Like, it, it's just, it's, she's, she's the fucking real deal when it comes to writing. And yeah, I just love to kind of, just to find that urgency and, and find, I think for me, you no know, one knows what a hit is, right? And we, you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. But I just feel like if, if I can create uh, an inspiring conversation and create a, a way to, to make people feel confident to tell those truths, then I think at least, even if the song isn't a hit or even if it isn't one of the best, at least it's honest and at least it's real. So I think it has a better chance of, of connecting and, Battle Love makes me so proud because 
in the first verse, she uses male pronouns in a romantic setting. And in the second verse, she uses female pronouns in a romantic setting. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I can think of a, a major pop song that um, is such like a bisexual anthem without, without, it's not even about being biased. It's about living her life as a bisexual woman. Um, I think that that uh, makes me really, really proud because, you know, to have a song go on pop radio um, using male and female pronouns in a romantic setting uh, is not an easy feat, and we fucking did that shit. Uh, I, I got to ask real quick about a couple uh, couple other hits uh, you've you've uh, co-written, uh, Justin. Uh, Good for you, Selena Gomez. I, I kind of that's also kind of like issues in some ways that I, I feel like these songs have a real uniqueness to them, and you know a lot of pop music can sound like other hits. I feel like a song like Issues it kind of sounds like its own song. Good for you is just really kind of its own song. You wind up really uh, creating these songs that just kind of have their own lane. Yeah, I think you know both the songs you, you mentioned, Issues and Good for You. Um, you know, those are both with Julia Michaels. Uh, and, you know, we set out, right? It was just like, there was no, I think when we both got into writing before we met each other, um, I, I was doing like pop writing for maybe like nine months before I met her. She'd been doing it for, even though she's so young, she was been doing it for a couple of years. And um, I, I'll speak for myself. I can't speak for her, but you know, the first couple of sessions I was in, it's like, oh, okay. So here's a, a, a track from so-and-so DJ, that just had a big pop hit. I should just try to make like a normal pop hit to try to make this happen and realize really quickly that like, that's not what I'm good at. And those types of songs that I was doing weren't getting cut. Um, and there's a lot of writers who are really fucking good at like, um, when they just, Oh, let's be inspired by this. And let's try to make this feel like this. They're, they're really fucking good at that. And it, it, it feels great. But for me, it just, I realized I was best when I was just, doing what I thought was cool and what was awesome. And Julia is very much the same way, you know, good for you started with, um, Julia just on the mic freestyling shit. So, um, for her, uh, you know, that was just what came out and that's what she thought was cool. So, um, it's like, it's not like a super conscious effort to do that, but it's definitely something that we, that we did. Cause I just wanna look good for you, good for you, uh-huh. I just wanna look good for you, so uh my other question a lot of times when i hear good for you i always wonder since we're asking the songwriter uh, was there ever any thought to call the song good for ya instead of good for you because selena never says you it's always ya <laughs> <laughs> I love that is maybe and this is a compliment please take this as a compliment that is maybe like the most like music geek question I have ever gotten and I love it <laughs> um, no there was no thought to ever call it yeah I don't know don't quote me on this because I'm sure someone's done so I, I, I for the most part don't put like phonetic spelling in any of my titles but I think Cardi B, uh, through your phone, I think she spells through T-H-R-U. So I think that there is, that did happen to me at one point. So I can no longer claim that. But for the most part, I just, you know, spell the word. And also, so many of my fucking titles are just like one word. So boring. Um, but yeah, no, we never, we never thought to make it good for ya. But I, I apologize. I'm sorry <laughs> if that caused you any stress through your life. I'm just going to call it good for you for now. I feel like I have your blessing to call it. 
Yes, you 100% have my book. Uh, and other song, just uh, uh, I'm, I'm a big Mariah fan. Uh, the song "Like Mariah," uh, Fifth Harmony. Oh. Uh, how, how did that come about? You, you read a lot of original stuff. How did all of a sudden you wind up basically reworking uh, "Always Be My Baby"? I'm just so glad you asked that question about that. Just about that song in general, because I fucking love that song so much. Um, so I was working with J.R. Rodham a lot, and in in, I still work with him now. But um, in the early days of of, of my pop writing, uh, he was one of my like main go-to collaborators, and we did Centuries together, which has the Suzanne Vega sample. When I was in the studio with him, you know, he played a, a bunch of tracks for me and Raja Kumari to write to. I heard the Suzanne Vega sample, and you know, in my heart, uh, I'm a lesbian from the '90s, and even though Suzanne's not a lesbian. I don't think she identifies as lesbian, but, you know, musically, it was like a very big, like, lesbian folk era in the 90s, and that's where my heart lies. Um, and so I was like, oh, my God, I have to write to that track. No one else can write to that track. That's mine. Yeah. Um, and then the only other time I've used uh, a blatant, blatant vocal sample, because, um, you know, Bad Liar, Selena Gomez, we, we, uh, and we use the bass line from um, Psycho Killer, Talking Heads. So I, I've done it, but uh, like Mariah, just the A&R had asked JR to flip that sample. They'd asked JR to use that sample, and I was like, well, that sample's so iconic and so obvious that like there's no way that we can do um, that we can do anything. We have to acknowledge Mariah in the song. You can't have that sample in here and not acknowledge the Queen. Um, so then this idea came of just, oh, you got me singing like Mariah. Like, I'm so in love with you and you, you know, you love me so good that I'm singing like Mariah. And I just love that song. Um, I think it's so fun and goofy. And a lot of what I do now is pretty uh, emotional as a pop writer. So I love looking back through my catalog and seeing like the really, really uh, campy ones. And I, you know, as a queer person, camp is in my DNA, so... I live for that song. Any feedback from Mariah herself? You ever, ever heard from she, her team? She tweeted about it. Mariah Carey tweeted about it and she approved of it and my heart stopped. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I probably should get that tweet framed, actually. I think that you just reminded me I'm going to get that shit framed. That's it. <laughs> Well, this is all uh, great, Jess. The thing I'm, I'm just really left with, as we've been talking, you're talking about how, uh, you know, whether it's your speech uh, at the awards or uh, saying how uh, you really at this point want to be the person who's helping other artists uh, get their message out there and help them express what they're saying. It just feels like uh, empathy is a big part of uh, of not just your, your writing, but just, just who you are. And whether it's uh, coming from a sort of an, an underdog angle, you're just, uh, you just kind of want everybody to, to find their happiness. I feel like people have a right to tell their own stories, especially marginalized people. And so if I can be, if I can open doors, whether that's creatively as a co-writer or whether that's, you know, business-wise of, of signing people or whether that's, you know, shouting people out or whether that's speaking on issues, if I can help any marginalized people, you know, have their voice be heard and have their stories be told, then, uh, you know, I want to do that. And speaking of shouting out, um, I do want to go back, as you said, in particular, you thought that there should be... Um, more voices from those marginalized communities, women of color in particular, you highlighted. Um, and songwriters, you know, don't nearly get as much shine as, as singers and performers. Are there any songwriters that you want to shout out that people should pay attention to, look at, check out their work? Of course. I mean, Sarah Ahrens uh, is an amazing queer woman from Australia who is slaying the planet right now. She did Zed's Stay and she did Zed's The Middle. 
um, Stara, which she's really well-known, a pop writer, if you pay attention. And she also writes hip-hop and everything. If you're paying attention to songwriters, Stara is obviously one of the superstars right now in our community, and she's a queer woman of color. So that's really, really exciting. Um, Priscilla Renee is a straight woman of color who's been slaying the game forever. Cassius Timber, um, Selena Gomez Perfect, uh, um, a lot of amazing, amazing songs. Um, uh, well, who else is great? Oh, Kennedy. Uh, she just goes by Kennedy. She's a new, amazing, amazing young female writer. She's also queer, and she is unbelievable. Uh, and luckily, she's signed to me. I get to reap the benefits of her brilliance all day, every day. Um, yeah, there's a, there, there's, a, there's a lot of really, really exciting writers. And I think that, you know, the shift is coming. But if you look at, this, if you look at the statistics, it's still only um, 9% of people involved in music are women. So it's still really, really bad, even though we have these amazing, you know, writers, you know, slain right now. Um, there's still there's still a lot a lot of work to do. All right, Justin, you'll keep uh, winning awards, and uh, we'd love to have you back and keep uh, talking more about music, uh, societal issues, bigger stuff, uh, whatever. This has been great. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank. Take care, Justin. Awesome. Bye. Thank you. All right, and to wrap things up, we are going to flash back through 2018. So we're going pretty recent. We're going to uh, talk about some big things that happened this year, some of our little favorite picks, some of some things on the charts that surprised us this year, things we may not have expected. To do that, we're going to also bring in a special guest here. Uh, you may remember him from a few episodes we've had previously, Andrew Untenberger, senior editor. You're one of two guests, Andrew, uh, you and a fishbowl. Oh yeah, well, the, you know, I'm just just happy to be able to share the billing with the fishbowl. You know, I'm not 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 you know one A and one B really on this podcast. All right, so the way this is gonna work, um, we just have a couple little discussion starters in the fishbowl. We're gonna keep the answers hopefully as as in 2018 as we can. Gary got has a look. I don't know if Gary's gonna like where this is going. No, I'm getting scared. Is this a quiz? Oh, it's not, it's not, no, no, no. There's right. no. I made. I made sure there's no right or wrong. All right, so Gary's going to get us started. Gary's going to dive into the fishbowl. We'll go around the table, and uh, we'll see how many we get through before we call it quits. <laughs> the most under-the-radar chart story of 2018 is? Uh, yeah, one that I've, I've been thinking about recently and is of interest to, to me from kind of a, I don't know, I guess like a chart nerd perspective, is the, uh, the unusual number of collaborative acts that have been getting their I mean that I'm charting on Billboard under uh, newly assumed duo names rather than you know, like uh, Hunter Jack instead of Quavo and Travis Scott or uh, the Carters instead of Jay-Z and Beyonce which I was getting a lot of attention recently and uh, also Kitsy Ghost uh, for, for Kanye and Kid Cudi uh, and it's going to have sort of interesting implications long term of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, as some of these artists, especially Beyonce and Jay-Z, uh, reach, uh, you know, all time records of Hot 100 hits and, and Top 40 hits and things like that. So th th that's that's an interesting thing to me. And it's funny to me that we've had three of them in one year and I, I can't remember another one like it in this decade where we've had the, the super duo getting getting their own name for the one off project. It's very interesting to me. Should I pick the next one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Andrew's going to go next. All right. 
we have here the biggest music shocker of the year is dot 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 to me okay the biggest the biggest shocker of the year i think still it's it's a probably a pretty top level choice but i think i think the bruno mars triple sweep at the grammy awards mm. is still very surprising to me only because um i mean obviously people thought that it was going to be kendrick's year uh maybe jay-z's year you know for a legacy artist I guess nobody except Paul Grine, who was on the podcast, yeah, really saw it was, that it was such a safe pick. Yeah, that that Bruno had enough. I mean, it was interesting because it was it was the most innovative album that Bruno had done. So when his middle of the road sort of tunes didn't get the attention, it was a little weird to think that that this album would. But for me, it's not even just that, that he got one of those awards. It's to get all three. I thought was a very like. I mean, it's becoming more common. I mean, Adele obviously did it last year. He did an album that fit a lot of different genres, made it really safe for voters, and it mixed pop, it mixed R&B. The Grammys love uh, when people go retro like that, so I think that all played into it. Okay, I'm going in. Oh. All right, we are going to talk right now about... Ooh, okay. In front of us, we've got a list of the top 10 hits of two... 2018 so far on the Hot 100. So the uh, most surprising top 10 Hot 100 hit this year is what song? I would say it's uh, it's Boot Up by LMA. Uh, I was going to say that too. Yeah. Yeah, it really uh, was. I, I remember, you know, uh, Trevor was a longstanding supporter of this song, or at least someone who uh, kept pointing out that it was it was gaining in, in, in metrics unusually quickly on the, on, the, on the Hot 100 and the R&B charts. Uh, it's a song that doesn't, I don't think really fits what most people consider to be a radio song in 2018. It's, it's very old school in its production. It's, it's sort of a simple kind of, you know, they don't make them like that anymore. R and B song. Uh, it almost sounds like something that, you know, like a jam and Lewis song from the, from the late eighties could have been on the, the side two of uh, Janet Jackson's, Janet Jackson's control album. Uh, and it just kind of took off. And I think my, you know, the 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 Hot 100 hits that I'm always the most interested in are the ones that there's no necessarily good cultural reason for why it should be a hit. You know, there, there, it's not a part of a major trend. It, it doesn't come from an artist who has a long success, you know, a long track record of of chart success. Uh, and LMH just kind of came out of nowhere with this this very sort of sweet, intimate song and a, a nice music video to go with it. And she she kind of went viral with it in, in, in a way that songs like that don't normally go viral, especially not in 2018. And so that, that, that was one that I, that I still find surprising, but, but a, a very pleasant surprise because I think it's one of the best songs of the year. I'll pick a couple that now really don't seem surprising at all, but I think at the time they probably did. Uh, meant to be, not at all a guarantee sure. that that was going to be a, a hit. It started as a country and pop hit, but Florida Georgia Line hitting number two on the Hot 100, uh, biggest hit they'd uh, ever had. So uh, I think that was a little bit of a, a breakthrough. Uh, also, uh, again, sounds really weird to say now, but uh, Havana going to number one when that first came out, even uh, with Despacito helping that uh, sound become uh, more popular, uh, not a guarantee at all that Havana was going to become any kind of hit, never mind uh, just a huge number one hit. Trevor, any picks? Uh, yeah, I, I do agree with Boot Up um, for a lot of the reasons you guys named. I'm going to go a little bit... Uh, Maybe on its face, it kind of is an obvious pick. Uh, I'm still going to go with Freaky Friday. And I, I'm not surprised that it was in the top 10, like necessarily, but I am surprised at how long it stayed in the top 10. Because for a song that is so married to the idea of what its video is, if you have not seen Freaky Friday and you just hear it, it makes no sense. How is the song, you know, it's goofy, it's weird. Obviously, it has Chris Brown on it, so that gives it some sort of commercial hook. 
But even Chris Brown, you know, is not a guaranteed hit maker like he was a decade ago. Certainly, you know, he has the question marks of allegations and there's a big contingent against him. And I think one thing that really made this song last for the multiple weeks it was in the top 10 was radio. And there was a there was a I mean, obviously streaming was the big factor for it, but there was continued radio support for the song, which I thought was so interesting because in an age where we talk about radio being so behind, so conservative, so, so safe to play a song that is so married to a video that no, none of your listeners are going to have access to this video when they hear this song to play by an artist, even though Chris Brown is still very much beloved in the urban community, who isn't necessarily on the best footing with a lot of your listeners to go out there and, and, and put that up as well. I, that to me was, was, you know, a pretty bold choice and maybe something radio needs to go more towards in the next coming years to to keep it afloat but i think overall when you package that up freaky friday being a, a multiple week top 10 um at least at least a month in the top 10 is something that you would not have seen coming all right back to the fishbowl Ooh, 2018 mvp behind the scenes ah uh, so okay so this is somebody who's not mm. an artist songwriter producer label executive industry person whoever uh i'll, I'll go with my guy pharrell uh have, having himself a moment again uh another yeah. for renaissance another for renaissance the, 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 at least the third one possibly the fourth depending on how you break up the first two yeah uh sort of a, a behind the scenes figure on havana i think uh, not a lot of people knew that he was associated with that song as a i believe as both a writer and a producer definitely as a producer you can actually hear him kind of chirping on the song too uh, and you know, involved with, with new Ariana Grande project, the latest coming. We'll, we'll see what what kind of chart success that has. But uh, you know, also you know, involved with other Camila songs. Uh, he, was, he was on the Little Lucy Verde album at the end of last year, uh, and, and he, he's just kind of in the mix again. I, don't, I, I, know, I know he's involved with some other stuff that I'm not thinking about top of my head, but uh, it, it's it's always good for me to see Pharrell you know, back where he belongs at the top of the charts. So that, that, that's that's a, that's an exciting thing for me about 2018. I'm going to go uh, with somebody way left center. I, I don't think a lot of a lot of people outside of sort of the music sphere will know who Cole Bennett is, but I think that guy definitely deserves an MVP award. If you don't know who he is, he's a music video director, a young kid, um, really involved with a lot of these SoundCloud rappers, makes a lot of their music videos. This, I mean, the songs obviously take off well on SoundCloud on their own, but when they hit YouTube and they need to get these big numbers, especially to push them up the charts, his videos, his visuals, the, the whole aesthetic he brings is obviously very patented, unique. Um, you know, it not necessarily... Well, I feel like once you watch a good number of them, you get a good sense of it. But I think, uh, in general, just what he's been able to do for so many different people on such a, a quick amount of time has really um, helped himself out. And I think it's important, too. Interesting from a branding perspective that all, all his videos like have the directed by Cole Bennett tag in the title. So, you know, one thing I think that's kind of maybe lost is you don't really know a lot of music video directors from past eras because it was always about the artist. You know, it's a Michael Jackson video, it's Beyonce's video, it's whoever's video. Now he's trying to, like, make this sort of his own brand, his own statement that you'll know who Cole Bennett is. And... You may not know who this rapper is or this song, but it's a Cole Bennett video, so that's why I'm going to check it out. I think it's a smart play. I hate to call this MVP because uh, valuable probably isn't the word, but uh, I feel like one of the biggest drivers of hits has been uh, just everything that's been going on in the world. So when you have a hit like 
this is America. All right, Donald Trump. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Society. I hate, to, I hate player, to, yeah. to give any kind of award, but uh, most people are good. Luke Bryan, just with uh, just so much bad news that's been uh, in the cycle for so long. We're starting to see music reflect that. And in some ways where it's just uh, straight out addressing it in a song like This is America or Luke Bryan, uh, taking a very positive uh, angle that there's there's still good, even though so many things in the news cycle. No tears uh, left to cry. You can probably throw that in there. Yeah, probably could. So, uh, yeah, pop music, uh, part of its job, reflecting what's going on in the world. So uh, it's happening maybe more than it has in a long time uh, this year. All right. Andrew's up. All right. Back to the fishbowl. Let's see what we have here. I got a two first today. What do you think, left hand or right hand? Uh, I, let's go left hand. All right. And we have here the 2018 MVP artist is. Oh, see, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Oh, aren't we? Aren't we kind of just fighting for second place here? Isn't isn't number one pretty uh, pretty far and away number one at this point? <sighs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here, Trevor. What, what, who do you think the 2018 MVP is? I'm gonna say. Okay, look, 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 look. I know what you're going to say, and I know everyone's going to say it, and I know that the answer should be Drake, but I'm not going to say Drake because I'm going to say Cardi B. And I'm okay. going to say Cardi B because I know obviously she's not been in the top spot nearly as much as Drake. Nobody has. But I think it's something when you have to look back at what we expected. You knew Drake was going to be big if Drake put out anything this year. You were That's not a surprise. Maybe, maybe to the degree that he still kind of surprises himself, sure. But I think the gap is much narrower than than Cardi B, what Cardi B has done in the past six months. I mean, for her to go from Bodak Yellow, which I think a lot of people, they won't say it now. It was going to be a one-hit wonder. She was going to get that number one. She's not going to have the same attitude. The the album's going to flop. It's not going to be nearly as good. And she'll kind of, you know, struggle for 12 months. But she's powered through. She's been on, I mean, she's been on tracks with the Nicky Amigos, still gotten great verses out of him, the most memorable lines. She's the Trap Selena. She gets on Bruno Mars's finesse, updates that, gives him a nice hit there, which, I mean, the song would not have been the same hit, I think, without Cardi sort of giving it new life. Uh, I like it. I mean, this is obviously a tribute to more of her Dominican roots, but to get, I mean, to get Bad Bunny, J Balvin to do it in Spanish. Yeah, she's probably hitting more angles, more genres yeah. than Drake is. I, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Maroon 5 as well. Uh, Maroon 5, of yeah. course, like you just said, yeah, hopping on a track with, you know, a 10, 12 plus year old pop rock band. I mean, that's, you You think about those two things six, seven months ago, no, it wouldn't have worked. Even working with Ozuna, I mean, I just think you put all that together, what Cardi B's been able to do based on what I think a lot of people thought that she would be able to bring to the table. I mean, that to me is legit. You do make a good case for Cardi. Uh, she certainly, uh, she has the breadth of, of, of hits. And I also probably should give a shout out here to uh, to Post Malone, who charted all 18 songs off of Beer Bombs and Bentley, set some Spotify records, uh, I think has the best first week sales of the year. So I, I think if you're filling out a ballot, those are your one, two, three in some order. But still, uh, you, you debut two consecutive songs at number one. Uh, you, you pass Michael Jackson on the all-time weeks in number one rankings. Uh, and you have two of the, the biggest and best songs of the year. I think I think the, the award's got to go to Drake. I give him the trophy. And I'll give, you, I mean, I'll give you the point. And on top of that, you still don't even have an album out. You yeah, do all that, no, and, 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 and Heavyweight isn't even there. W- watch the like the chart records just, just start tumbling as after June 29th. It's going to be... It's, it's going to be a reckoning. All right. I'm going to score some points uh, with the Army. I'm going to say uh, I, I do think Drake is clearly, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the Hot 100, the biggest uh, performance that we've seen this year. But uh, BTS getting yeah. their first top 10 on the Hot 100 with Fake Love, first number one on the Billboard 200. Uh, 
the applause of the Billboard Music Awards when they performed. But even even beyond that, it seems like uh, they're helping, uh, obviously, uh, spark a K-pop trend. Blackpink this week uh, yeah. debuts number 55 in the Hot 100. So uh, it's obviously BTS, but a little bit more than that as well. So uh, I'll go K-pop, but I think Drake. Uh, <laughs> Hot 100. Almost. I'll go K-pop, but I think Drake. Yeah. Okay. So we talked a lot about hits. That's what we do here. We talk about the hits. But I do want to give a shout out to maybe some that that haven't quite hit the highs that people expected them to. So uh, what is a song that you thought was going to be a bigger hit than it turned out to be? And bigger hit, can I mean, it can be a number two hit that you thought mm-hmm. would be number one. It could be a number 100 hit that you thought should be number 65. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll take first on that one. I'll uh, I'll rep for, for for our recent cover star, Troy Sivan, uh, who I think uh, you know he had some chart success in his last album. I think uh, Youth was a top forty hit. I think, uh, and and certainly a favorite among the the Billboard staff, uh, two thousand sixteen. Uh, and this year he comes out with My My My, which uh, you know the first single off his next album, which still isn't coming out for another two and a half months somehow. I'm not sure how that happened, but. Uh, you know, I think I remember in the office the next day, like everyone was buzzing about that Troy Sivan song, and and you know, it's it sounded massive. It had like a really really cathartic chorus. It had a really striking visual, and I think a lot of people thought this was going to be all right. This was this was him leveling up from like start like like from like breakout artist to superstar basically, uh, and this was, this was going to kind of put him on the on the level of the heavy hitters in pop. And uh, you know, though they got a, got nice critical acclaim. I think every everyone on the internet's really, really into the song and it maybe made a little headway at radio, but did, did not really make it very far off the hot 100. I want to say it stalled number 80 maybe. Uh, and you know, it's, it, it kind of hung around for a little while, uh, you know, on, on radio. I think, I think it did better on, on the pop songs chart and a couple other things, but, uh, definitely not that kind of massive crossover hit that we were, that a lot of us were hoping for personally. Uh, and, uh, even even the one after that, you know, uh, the dance to this, which is which is the second, I think, or maybe the third, or actually a fourth uh, song off the album, uh, but it's the one that had Ariana Grande as a featured appearance, and I think a lot of us thought, oh, all right, well, you know, that's a bankable star, you know, maybe Troy doesn't quite have the star power of his own yet to put a song like that over, but you get her on the song, you get them together, it's a good song, then maybe that'll be the one that kind of puts him over the top. And I, I don't even think that made the Hot 100 this week. I, I, don't, I don't know if we're still in complete. Uh, I mean, I think uh, you know, maybe the, the first week was broken up in terms of chart points. But uh, to not even hit the Hot 100 and then for My 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 to pick a number 80 and then for the album to still be months away, I think uh, you know, it's not the trajectory we were hoping for for, for Troy Sivan on this album. But, you know, he's got a huge fan base. We're all very supportive of him at Billboard. Uh, he is the cover star and he's got, I think he's going to be around for a very long time. But him as like a top 40 conquering like taylor swift type figure maybe isn't in the cards at least at least not immediately i'm thinking cardi b a song that i, I understand why it wasn't maybe the biggest pop hit because uh, foreign language but la modelo song she had out a big latin hit I, I, I really thought that could cross over to pop just because the, the hook was so good and, and cardi singing yeah she sounds really good on it i would love to hear i think that totally would have worked on top 40 radio if again if despacito mm-hmm. couldn't work i feel like that would have I mean, she might have been her own worst enemy on that one i mean it's possible that you know top 40 was already just 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 cardi yeah. saturated right you now between finesse which was obviously a huge song at the beginning of the year and Bodak Yellow, I think, was still hanging around at the end of uh, 2017, early 2018. Some people were probably playing Be Careful. Only so much Cardi to go around, you know? Yeah. You, you gotta gotta make some room for the others. That's a good sign when you have uh, too many <laughs> yeah. hits that maybe you're, you're hurting your own uh, potential other hits. Certainly. Yeah. Trevor? 
Uh, okay, I'm going to start with Cardi because I, I am going to say as I kind of teased in my uh, By the answer. way, I, I like how she's both MVP and has two of the most underrated hits of the year. That That's that's just <laughs> tremendous. That's a, You know, you can conquer all the bases. Check it out. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, finesse, I think. I, because I, so many people, and I think they correctly pegged this as a number one hit. It was a number three hit. So obviously like it did monster damage on the chart. But just, I remember like, the night that, that that remix dropped, everyone was so excited to see Cardi on it. She was still, you know, relatively new. She had no limit had been out. Motorsport had been out, but it was the first sort of different collaboration for Cardi. The video, people were so hype about the video. And then of course with Bruno sweeping the Grammys a few weeks later, it felt like, okay, there's like there's like a swelling for this song to get to number one. And, you know, between Ed Sheeran, Havana, it it didn't make it. I, I still feel like that that just felt like it was the biggest song for a couple weeks there where people, I mean, just excited to hear it, danceable, fun to sing along to, Cardi's verse is so fun to rap with that throwback and that 90s sort of style with Salt and Pepper in them. Just, I mean, I know obviously number three is nothing to cry about, but I just I just wanted it to go too higher. Aren't you making a case that uh, Drake really is the MVP? Because didn't uh, God's Plan come along after that? It may have. I don't (laughs) know. Who remembers all that long ago? Forget God's Plan. Uh, Um, Another, oh, sorry. And another song, um, a little lower, um, I'm a little surprised that that, that's not taken off a little better. I like the song Guatemala a lot by Swaley. I think it's really, I'm surprised because it's really in the unforgettable vein, which obviously was a massive hit with French Montana last year. He, He was on the hook on that. Um, I know the Ray Sherman album kind of, uh, you know, it it was a little overwhelming for a lot of people to be a triple album. So maybe people thought it lost some focus, lost a little bit of sharpness. But um, for Sway Lee's middle section, which is really an R&B album, I think that's particularly a great standout track. I think it was particularly in the summertime. I thought it was going to get a little more heat. It's starting to come back around at radio a little bit. So maybe maybe there's some hope. But I just thought that when I heard it, it had just the right kind of quasi-Caribbean vibe that, that Drake has pulled off a lot that seems like it would really be a summertime smash. Still pulling for it. Obviously, the returns are great out of the gate, but uh, that's one for me. Yeah, and that yeah, like you said, that entire Race Remmerd album, I think, is, is really underrated. Uh, maybe not even critically, but the the fact that that thing had 24 tracks and still couldn't make the top five of the Billboard 200, uh, that's that's pretty surprising to me. I mean, considering the, the way we've seen these, these you know, these overstuffed albums that they just kind of ends up goosing the track numbers and the streams go through the roof and you know you end up doing hundreds of thousands of, of, of units in the first week but it, it, it worked for a lot of other artists including including the migos this year but uh who also had like a 24 track album but uh race remember couldn't seem to, to catch the wave off that one and despite the fact that, as you say that there's there's a number of, of really really catchy kind of pop songs on that album and i'll also say that uh the first time i heard Spoil My Night, which is uh, the song on Post Malone's album where Sway Lee uh, you know, does some of the hook and, and part of the verses. I thought that was going to be the biggest song of the year. I, I, I like that. That was the song that, that really grabbed me off that album. I was like, this is going to be the next single and it is going to be massive. And so far, it seems like the people prefer Better Now, maybe, as the, as the, the next uh, Post Malone song of choice. You know, Spoil My Night, it's, it's, it's faring pretty well in the, in the you know, Spotify, iTunes charts, but not as well as three or four of the other songs of that album. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe, uh, I might have been off on that one. My, my question is, where'd you guys get the fishbowl from? Is there, are there just fishbowls hanging around the office? No, I took it from video. No fish were harmed in the making of this podcast. All right, cool. All right, well, uh, thank you, Andrew, for, for coming by. Mm, always a pleasure. Always fun to discuss chart topics with you. We'll, of course, be back next week to discuss even more chart topics. 
Speaking of Cardi B, several times on this podcast, let's talk about her one more time. Uh, a lot of people, of course, having I Like It with Bad Bunny and J Balvin pegged perhaps for that number one spot next week on sale for 69 cents at iTunes. And uh, let's not lose this fact. Cardi B, if she goes to number one next week, that'll give her two number ones from her debut album. That'll be the first time we've seen that from a female artist since almost 10 years ago when Lady Gaga pulled off the Just Dance poker face duo. First female rapper with two number ones? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. she. Yeah, I guess she would be the first female rapper with two number ones. Lots of chart history. Could be next week. All right, so tune in next week. We'll have that race and we'll see if Cardi can make some more chart history. Uh, Until then, what are we going to close with? All right, let's let's do a a guy that... uh, Hasn't really impacted the top of the charts uh, yet this this year, and not the same way he did last year. But uh, released my favorite album of the year so far. Let's 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 hear a little Charlie Puth. We'll do Dumb for Me. That 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 one's still kind of lingering around the midsection of the charts. Hopefully, uh, we're talking about it on the second half of the year podcast. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.